Hey there, my name is Cara McClintock and I am the host of the Building a Better Body podcast. I am a certified health coach, a podcaster and the platform for others to share their story. My aim is to get as many experts on the show as possible, be that experts in health, experts in fitness, experts in mind, body and soul, all the good things that make up that better body. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome to episode number 107 of the BBB show. Can you hear somebody cutting their hedges outside? (laughs) Do you know what? You can be a wee bit too serious with the editing, so let's just let the ambient noise do its thing. Now, guess what? This is the last show of the season. It's been a blast. You know, it really has, but it's time for me to take my usual three-week break. Take some time to come off social media, perhaps, but also grab some awesome guests for the next season. So thank you so much for listening to the last seven shows and a huge, huge thank you to all my guests. You have made this show exactly what I wanted it to be, the platform for others. Now, on to today's show. Today I am talking to Ali Miller. You'll hear all about her in the intro very shortly, but this is a wonderful conversation around keto and her book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. If you are an anxiety sufferer, this might be the info you need to make some changes. Ali truly knows her stuff, talks absolutely wonderfully, and I think you're definitely going to go away with some amazing action tasks today so thanks Ali and thank you for listening guys I'll see you in three weeks enjoy today on the show I am talking to Ali Miller Ali is a functional medicine registered dietitian who runs the clinic naturally nourished and hosts a podcast with the same name she uses keto and real food to help people discover optimal health she's also an author but we'll get to that shortly but for now Ali welcome to the show Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. I, I know you're a busy lady, so I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It'll be a fun time. Yeah. So, Ali, for those who don't know you, especially over here in the UK, let's hear a little bit about your story, how you sort of come to be the person you are today, making waves in the in the world of health and well-being. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the, the download on uh, my person as a profession. I think other layers might be a deep, convoluted <laughs> conversation. Yeah. You can go back <laughs> the for part two. of Ali Miller. <laughs> yeah. yes. But yes, I am a registered dietitian, but what is unique to me is that I I went to a naturopathic college of medicine. So uh, my foundations were really tied into more of an approach of where nature meets science. Mm. And then I pull in more of the allopathic or conventional medicine model as I went to get registered as a dietitian. So I kind of have one leg on each bank of the river of the naturopathic and allopathic or conventional. Mm. And I marry that with functional integrative medicine. So what I do is I am a clinician and I work with about 20 to 30 patients a week now that I'm doing more outreach on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And in my clinic time, I basically serve as the detective of the body. So I am always working with an individual to determine what is the root cause of their chronic illness or what was the triggering event or the antecedent to drive imbalance in their body and how can we really look to resolve and use upstream approaches, either restoring micronutrient deficiencies, supporting detox pathways, uh, regulating the microbiome. You know, there's so many different entry points Mm -hmm. and we use that more upstream versus downstream symptom management. 
management. Uh, so much of my work is in functional medicine. And um, my personal food story is that I actually went to Bastyr University, the naturopathic college, as a vegan. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would turn the whole world vegan and that was going to heal us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought into a lot of the propaganda of the you know vegetarian movement and initially got involved in it for uh, the sustainability factor. But I learned very quickly uh, when I was out in the Seattle area, uh, Seattle, Washington area, about how we could vote with our dollar and choose sustainable animal products and how these may be more of the locavore movement. These may be, you know, to have single ingredient of butter versus a tub soy product yeah. uh, that has 32 ingredients. <laughs> so I really started to redefine my relationship of what is a whole real food, uh, what is a nourishing food, and um, really started to understand different constructs of things like anti-nutrients in plants. And personally went through a battle with autoimmune Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis. Mm-hmm. And that really shifted me from that type of a no animal product to a pretty tight gaps protocol, animal focused, and then became paleo keto all within that period of time. So that's kind of been my personal journey tied in with functional medicine. Excellent. So eloquently spoken. I think you've probably said that a few times before. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, Well, then yes, no, thanks for sharing. It's very concise. As a sort of a non-conventional dietitian, if you will, do you have friends that are conventional dietitians and do you kind of clash heads every now and again? (laughs) You know, I, 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 I don't know about, it sounds harsh to say not friends, but yes, peers, yes, yes. I guess, because, you know, at that juncture, when you have such opposing thoughts, it, it's difficult to probably find harmony in other areas or aspects of life. Yeah. Uh, because I feel it's one of those things If once you are enlightened with hmm. true science and evidence-based practice, that you'd really have to be practicing in the dark with blinders to follow protocol of more of the standardized action of care. Um, And so I wouldn't say friends probably because we'd get into too many heated debates, (laughs) but peers, peers, most definitely. I mean, as far as there are registered dietitians, just like physicians, just like nurse practitioners on all scopes of opinions and uh, dogma and doctrine. And um, I just really try to continue to focus on the outcomes that I see in my clinic and science that makes sense. Um, is really important (laughs) because you can always find a research study. I always say to people, especially when I work with individuals with oncology and cancer care, those often patients are very anxious and, you know, really feel lost uh, because they're reading all of these conflicting studies. You you can read that dairy causes cancer, kale causes cancer, beef causes cancer. You know, you can always find something scary out there. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you have to find principles and practice that make you feel good in your body, but also have history. Uh, Ancestral approach, I think, is a good way to look at data as well, Um, more as a a long-term evidence-based practice. And then then looking at research and tying that all together yeah. into common sense. I think, yeah, I know that we do forget common sense and we forget to actually just listen and say to ourselves, do I feel good? Instead, we just start reading all these things, get overwhelmed. And I was actually just saying to a friend today, you know, if you have a certain belief and you Google it, you're going to get it validated. Totally. <laughs> you know, somebody's totally. going to agree with you out there and then you're kind of going to go with it. But, and then you forget, hold on, I actually don't feel well doing this protocol, whatever it may be. 
Um, and like you say, you were a vegan and so many people I've spoken to on here have been down that journey and, uh, and have kind of just had that, as you say, enlightened moment and decided that they weren't well. But it's difficult. It, as I said as well, it becomes part of your identity and trying to change that is difficult. But it depends how sick you are almost. You know, you could get pushed into it. I don't know how sick you were whenever you were kind of going down that path. Well, you said you had Hashimoto's, so... Yeah, <laughs> and that was really when I I feel it greatly contributed to my experience of panic attack and also anxiety. That's really yeah. was kind of the the big defining pivot in my personal health story. I I feel that I, I was a raw vegan for three to four months leading into really the onset of quite severe panic attacks, shortness of breath. I'd have to pull over the car. I was dealing with really severe palpitations. Mm. And uh, my ferritin level was at a three or a four. Uh, so severely iron deficient. And uh, I was also deficient in B12. And you know those nutrients play a big role on our neurological system. Uh, also, of course, if I was uh, low iron, I wasn't getting oxygen flow to the brain, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of concerning. Kind of useful, yeah. <laughs> and yes, yeah. so, you know, for me, it was a, a pretty direct one plus two equals three, just kind of aha moment. Mm. Um, and I, I, I knew that if my positioning was food as medicine, that I needed to come to peace with those nourishing foods, animal products, essentially, uh, that were going to, to heal my body. But I came up with this mantra that you may like, I, I say it all the time, I think I, I included it in my first book, mm. it's doctrine creates disconnect. Mm. And, you know, so it's kind of exactly what you were just saying in the sense of whether it's anything, whether it's a ketogenic diet, whether it is a, you know, macro plan, whether it is an elimination diet, whatever protocol you're following, if you believe in it as doctrine, as the word, then you may allow your body to unravel from the inside out and white knuckle or over muscle the feedback that your body's giving you because of that deep, strong belief, right, yes, in, yes. in what you're doing is is purposeful and the quote unquote right way, mm. but we need to take a focus. And I always say as a practitioner to my patients, I'm leading you on your health journey. You know, your body, you've lived in your body 43 years or whatever, you know, their ages. Yep. I'm just, I'm just here to meet you in these first 75 minutes. So all I can tell you is what I've heard of your health story. And then I'm going to provide you what I believe would be strong interventions, maybe some advanced labs, ways to dig deeper, mm -hmm. um, some, L, you know, some entry level uh, interventions of diet strategy or what have you. But I need to hear from you after I share your story back with you, what resonates the strongest? What's the biggest aha? What's the that's me? Yeah. Because I may have misinterpreted something or I may have jumped on something that I heard louder that you feel was really a murmur. And there might be something grand that I'm overlooking. And so I think that when practitioners come in with less ego and more of a uh, lead in the pathway to their patient's care plan, that that helps the individual to take that doctrine out. And then as the individual, it's their practice to work their connection within themselves as the biggest voice mm. versus an influencer versus a book <laughs> versus yeah. an anything. Yeah. I like that when you say less ego, because it is, it's, it could be easy to just go launching straight in and say, this, 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 this is what you have to do. And it's very overwhelming. Actually, recently I've had a few people come to me with kind of like IBS type symptoms and they wanted a little bit of advice and I'm just sort of saying you're on a journey here let's sort of maybe do a little tiny tweak and, and gradually build on that because if you try to do what say I do 
for instance, you would, would be overwhelmed because I, I mean, I've been tweaking and testing and playing around for six, seven years. And now it's sure. just the way I am. It's just a little bit of experimentation and taking a bit of responsibility yourself with a, a nice guided, easy hand along the way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So to, to go back to basics a little bit, I've mentioned, or actually I haven't mentioned keto on here for a while, but as a dietitian, what would you say to someone who is completely unsure of keto and in, even in the fact that they might think it's not healthy or not sustainable? Do you think it is both healthy and sustainable? I could answer that for you, but <laughs> somebody who's giving you a bit of pushback, what would you say? Yeah, you know, so I think that the the confusion with the ketogenic diet in the medical community is that most doctors, nurses, and, you know, varied practitioners have only heard of the term keto. And now, probably in the last three years, because of its popularity, it's getting more buzz. But, but mm. preceding, you know, the buzz, people only heard of the term keto uh, when they read a component of a chapter on diabetic management, and it was uh, referring to ketoacidosis. Yes. And ketoacidosis is a state that is seen when blood sugar levels are extremely elevated, usually in the 300 plus range, mm -hmm. and insulin levels are not able to get that blood sugar into the cell. So there's high blood sugar levels. Uh, insulin levels are zeroed out. It's someone that's insulin dependent and they've had an issue with their pump or they forgot to inject or whatnot. So it's mm -hmm. mismanaged. Yeah. And this is at that level, ketones are produced to a high concentration, higher than could ever be achieved with carbohydrate dietary restriction. And at that state of ketoacidosis, there is a blood pH change. And that's when we're concerned about kidney health. That's when we're mm -hmm. concerned about cardiovascular function and bone loss. And any of the negative, generally speaking, feedback that you'll hear is the confusion of someone looking at the process of ketoacidosis, yeah. which again, just to kind of shout out, can only be achieved accompanied with high blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're practicing a carb-restricted diet, you are not going to have super high blood sugar levels. Yep. It's not biochemically and metabolically possible. You know, this is when your body is breaking down carbohydrate into glucose. So you're when you're restricting carbohydrates in your diet, your blood sugar levels come down to a low, moderate, sustained level, mm -hmm. and your body starts to produce ketones as an alternate fuel source. You don't bottom out your glucose. So there's also arguments of people mm -hmm. saying, oh, well, you need glucose to produce thyroid hormone or the brain needs glucose. Mm -hmm. Your glucose levels don't zero. <laughs> yep. Anyone, no matter how tight they're doing keto, mm -hmm. they could be making you know 2.4 ketones as far as their BHB output in their blood. Uh, their glucose is still going to be somewhere in the you know mid 70s likely. Yeah. Uh, so you do have ample glucose to do the tissue processes or gland processes of need for glucose in the body, but the glucose levels are stabilized and lower. Mm -hmm. So you're not dealing with the damage of excessive blood sugar levels, oxidative stress. We're not dealing with that beta amyloid plaque in the brain. We're not dealing with blood sugar spikes and crashes of irregular energy levels and cravings and hypoglycemic episodes following hyperglycemic spikes. Yeah. So diet control of carbohydrates, I believe, is a healthy way to manage blood sugar. It is a great way to 
get production of ketones to run as a hybrid versus solely a sugar burner. You get to become a fat burner while you still are using moderate levels of glucose in your system. Mm -hmm. And that allows you accessibility to use also body fat as fuel. If you're dealing with higher body fat composition and looking for, you know, body composition change or body fat burn with muscle maintenance, Mm -hmm. ketosis is a grand approach to be able to do that because it's muscle sparing and it favors fat as a fuel source. And we also see amazing cognitive influence. In fact, my book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet, is grounded on the principle of nutritional ketosis because ketones cross the blood-brain barrier and have very very favorable effect on our neurological and central nervous system. Yeah, perfect. Well, you're preaching to the converted for sure, but I just want everybody (laughs) else to hear that as well. (laughs) Um, And it's about, as you say, being metabolically flexible. You know, sometimes you can dip into one or the other, but you don't want to be that sole sugar burner. And I, think right. I used an, an analogy actually just this morning where you think of, if you think of a fire burning in your living room, if you put wood in it, it, it burns nice and slowly and sustainably. And that's like you're, you're uh, comparing it to fat. But if you put a bit of paper in there, it's just going to go woof. And you put another bit of paper in there, woof. So that's you, if you eat sugar, if you're relying on sugar, you're going to have to keep topping up the tank where you're, you feel that much more sustainable energy when you go for the, for the fat over the sugar more often than not. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great comparison yeah, cool and and you mentioned on your your site that weight weight loss isn't as simple as calories in and calories out and I love this I love this because I know that people still even if you if you spend a lot of time in the arena that we do this is old <laughs> this is old chat right. but there is people that are still counting their calories they're using apps to track every little thing that they eat for people who are counting the calories what would you say to them Oh, just that if you're if you're hitting your get head up against the wall, first off, I, I look at when I'm prioritizing things, quality versus before quantity always. Mm-hmm. So is it a whole real food? Because everything you eat provides metabolic signals in your body and everything you eat actually influences even the expression of your DNA. Uh, so it's, it's very complex, right? You know, there's this whole process of nutrigenomics and how certain nutrients up or down regulate genetic expression. So we need to think quality before quantity of anything. I mean, macros, calories, anything. We need to start with reframing the conversation of, is this even a real food and does this belong in my body in the yeah. first place? Good point. Yes. <laughs> and then once you're eating whole real foods, then you may want to start looking at carbohydrate levels to bring that lever down to be able to experience the magic of running as a hybrid machine like our bodies were created to do. And that's lowering the carbs enough to, mm. yes, start to produce some, some ketones. That's really the only number that yeah. I have people looking at because I want them to understand what is their metabolic threshold because when they're able to make some of those ketones they're also experiencing more satiety Mm. so that generally helps with discipline and that means that they're not having to white knuckle or willpower their uh, protocol or their diet plan Mm -hmm. it becomes much more at ease and they're able to make much more intuitive connections with their body with hunger and satiety and that's what is very freeing from diet mentality of again, quantitative number tracking timestamp following rules. Uh, You can become very intuitive once you're able to use the numbers to get your body metabolically adapted, and then you can kind of have that freedom. Mm. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I would say that, yes, 
at, at some point calorie deficit does matter. Mm. You know, we can't, we can't say it doesn't at all, but I believe that there's much more uh, complexity to our body as more of a chemistry equation than a one plus two equals three calculator. Right. So there's so much more going on as far as, like I mentioned, hormone dominance, Mm. nutrient deficiency, metabolic pathways of resistance or genetic uh, mutations that interfere with the way our body processes certain nutrients. And all of these things need to be addressed before you keep running your head up against a wall of why you're not getting results from mere calorie restriction. Yeah. I think maybe for some people they want to track because they have no idea if you, maybe if you look back over a day, it's like, wow, I can't believe how many carbs I've had. Um, Yeah. Just to create that awareness piece. And I know you talk in your book, which we'll talk about shortly about keeping your carbs to a certain amount just till you get into that ketosis. Um, And people just aren't aware of what that looks like on a plate yet um until you kind of get used to it for a while and then they don't need to do the tracking because it just is intuitive to to fill your plate the way they want absolutely yes so i think that like i said in the beginning when especially if you're coming from standard american diet here is extremely Mm -hmm. high in carbohydrates still like 300 grams a day and when we're Mm -hmm. talking about nutritional ketosis we're talking about a tenth of that you know 30 grams a day so uh, it, it can be quite extreme. So I think having some level of rigidity and, and, and uh, I, I call it to clients, I'll, I always say I have a three-month program that I run and it's a food as medicine keto class. And I always say, you know, don't worry, in class four, five, and six, we're going to talk about inclusion of foods like berries and liberalizing your vegetable intake and things that can allow more food freedom. Mm-hmm. But right now I do want you to be in this kind of myopic tunnel vision of that's not keto that is. And I promise you that I will tell you that that's not the rules really. And that Mm. ketosis is a metabolic state. It's not a yes and no food list, but in the beginning, it may help to have a food list. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things that (laughs) until you can unravel some of the layers and start to really make good, true connections and trust your body's feedback, Mm. you know, because I think a lot of people enter a diet feeling mediocre or crummy, Mm. and they're not going to get the signals of feedback that are going to help them to get sustainable results and that food freedom and achieve the outcomes that they're looking to see in their body's health. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about your book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. I have it right here. Look, can you hear? Awesome. (laughs) I can hear it. (laughs) I was having another look over it today because I was actually thinking of lending it to a few people that not even for anxiety reasons, just the great info you have in there about gut health, gut dysbiosis, very, very important stuff. We obviously don't want to give away too much, but if you want to tell our listeners a rough outline of what they can expect if they get that book. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, it's called The Anti-Anxiety Diet. And I uh, published that, it was published last fall. And in a month or so, I will be putting out the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook, which has also been licensed in the UK. So keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I put this book together, really, I, I actually share my story of when I transitioned my diet from vegan to paleo to keto and the experience of that and kind of the introduction, making it more of you know my personal story. And in my 10 plus years of being a functional medicine practitioner, when I'm seeking these root causes of chronic illness, I continued to see the trend that 
we are all stressed and wired or stressed and tired. And all of us, whether we resonate with the term anxiety or just being burned out or uh, feeling overwhelmed or overburdened or like we're holding onto the bumper of the vehicle of our body being dragged every day, <laughs> you know, <Nice>. there's, there's, <laughs> that's a visual, yeah. um, you know, I think I've, I have felt that for certain at times of my life. So I really put this resource out there for people to become more resilient to stress and to understand how the chicken and egg relationship of how stress can beat up our body and how our body when imbalanced or having areas of dysfunction can express stress in a more imbalanced way. And so it's this chicken and egg unravel, if you will, mm -hmm. and uh, continual feedback. And so I break it down into six R's as far as entry points as a functional practitioner. So the first R is to remove inflammatory foods. Mm -hmm. And I identify the top five pro-inflammatory foods. And then within those five is sugar. And that's where we start already the conversation of what is nutritional ketosis and the role of blood sugar regulation on mood stability, the stress response, as well as the therapeutic role of ketones on regulating our uh, neuro chemicals and being very grounding for the brain. Uh, and then we go on to resetting the microbiome and talking about how probiotics are nature's Prozac and uh, how all of our natural antidepressants are really dependent on our gut biome. And also if our gut biome is imbalanced with uh, overgrowth of bacteria, uh, dysbiosis, SIBO, or candida, how that can put out signals of adrenaline or epinephrine and keep mm -hmm. us feeling perpetuated in this fight or flight mode and not knowing why. You know, mm. the day-to-day day -day function might be fine, but if we're dealing with gut dysbiosis, that can send actual through our enteric nervous system of our gut signals of distress. So I talk a lot about that and how to address that microbiome and reset it. Then we go into repairing the gut lining. So now that you've re removed the inflammatory foods and you've uh, repollinated the good gut bugs, now we want to ensure that the foundation of the gut lining is intact. Uh, so that we're talking about leaky gut in that chapter and the autoimmune and inflammatory pathologies associated with it. Then we go on to restoring micronutrients, where I talk about the importance of methylated B vitamins, mood-stabilizing minerals, particular amino acids that work as building blocks to our brain chemicals. And then the last two R's are rebounding the adrenal glands, which we know of as that primary fight-or-flight responding gland. Mm -hmm. And the final R is rebalancing neurotransmitters. Yeah. And that's where we get really into the conversation of those inhibitory landing gear neurotransmitters or serotonin and GABA, mm -hmm. as well as a deeper conversation about those excitatory neurotransmitters. Yeah. And it's interesting because conventional medicine starts with right away mod modifying the receptor sites of mm. our neurotransmitters before even looking at any of those prior foundational R's. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. a, that's, that's to me the last stop or the end point, if you will, mm -hmm. um, of the journey because so much of the other elements uh, as a foundational role will play an impact on that neurochemistry. Yeah, that's so well laid out. You know, it's easy to follow and it's, it's a great place for people to start. And I, you know, your first R, the um, remove inflammatory foods. I sent it to my brother this morning and he said, okay. oh, I think I can only start with gluten, first of all. 
that's okay. That's okay. See that's how a good you one. Feel. That's a yeah. good one to start with. That's a good one. That's probably a lot of food, actually. So that's a good start. <laughs> but yeah, yes. no, it's it's easy for people to follow and get their teeth into it. So it's it's something that I would definitely recommend for people, especially if they're just even if you're that person that's experiencing the bloat, the discomfort, and right. thinking it's normal because it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will bring mm-hmm. you down. You know, you you'll become sluggish and you can't get on with your day, and it doesn't have to to be that way and right I really think there's a massive need for people to to be made a little bit more aware of the huge connection between the gut and the brain and I know if as I said before if we if like you and my I spend we spend all this time in this arena and this is not new news but we forget that there's so many people out there have no idea the huge connection between the gut and the brain I interviewed the ancestral health guy I don't know if you've heard of him but he's doing some really really great work on Instagram of sharing about his journey of how he's cleaned up his diet and put his anxiety to bed because he and he said it was literally 100% his diet nothing else worked for him where you hear other people say a little bit of meditation has helped me deal with stress a little bit better I've gone to counseling that's helped but none of this was working for him and it was only the basically the inflammatory diet that he changed up so it was great to hear his story use some great online programs and I think you touched upon it there for people to sign up to what what can you tell us about those yeah so uh beyond the anti-anxiety diet book like I said the cookbook comes out in the fall and uh what's really fun on that I just want to mention as far as different entry points is although I've laid out those R's in what I feel is a good flow each chapter has a quiz so it helps you as the reader determine where you might need to do more important investigative work and by that I mean maybe advanced labs Mm. uh, or maybe need to add and layer supplements in beyond food so it's important to acknowledge that you know someone may enter in at the rebound adrenals if they just went through a really gnarly divorce and are waking in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and they're Mm. having cortisol imbalance, then that's their big aha take from the book, right? Or someone that just uh, had two babies uh, close in age, um, you know, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and breastfed them and has been just pouring nutrients out of their body (laughs) for four years in a row, they need that restore your micronutrient chapter. And so it's, it's good to know that it's not a one size fit all plan in the sense that it allows you to uh, become aware of other of elements that could be your Achilles heel in your wellness journey and then gives you solutions specific to hopefully your body. I just want to say it's so difficult for an author to try and cover all of those different scenarios. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, I hope I I I tried. That was the goal. Um, So we'll see. (laughs) The one the one Um, I read today was the gut bacteria balance quiz, and I and going over those questions, I just thought there's going to be a lot of people are going to say often to each of these. Yes, yes. Check that one out, guys. Seriously. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Sorry. So yeah. Sorry. So no, no. Good. It's true. And so yeah. So there's a lot of quizzes and resources within that as well. Um, And then I do have a lot of online programs. So I have a 12 week uh, food is medicine ketosis program. And I run that about quarterly. And uh, we work with people all over the world in that program. It's awesome. And uh, it's six classes uh, that are an hour and a half each that I lecture. And then it's a live Q&A following. And uh, we have a private Facebook group. And we get really phenomenal outcomes there. I also have a beat the bloat program. So that's uh, direct to, you know, if you fail that quiz or if that stuff resonates. Um, And uh, that's a whole protocol and um, supplement uh, plan. And then I also have other virtual classes like my 10-day detox and my optimal eating course 
just tons of resources. Eat, uh, Eat Fat, Get Skinny ebook if you're curious about keto as well as the ketogenic kickstart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just keep adding more. Actually, I'm launching a program in October called Adrenal Rehab. And that's a virtual program of about 20 videos. I think it's about two and a half hours of uh, video copy. It includes uh, cooking in my own kitchen, uh, recipe demos, as well as educational video, all about the connection a little deeper that I couldn't get into in these books that I wanted to have more conversationally, if you will. Yeah. Wow. You put a lot of work in, (laughs) but isn't it great in this day and age that we can reach so many people around the world? You know, you obviously put the work in once, maybe put the videos together, obviously, uh, dip in and out of the communities that you have, but just putting the work in once and then being able to reach so many people is, is amazing. Yes, absolutely. When I had my uh, daughter, actually before I got pregnant or maybe right around when I got pregnant, I was running a clinic in Houston and And I had three full-time practitioners and I was what I called on the hamster wheel Mm. um, in the sense that I, you know, I only had the capacity for one-on-one client consultations in person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so if, even if I saw eight or nine patients a day, that would max me out at, you know, 40 patients a week. And um, I, you know, it it was still exhausting and I I was only getting that one-on-one feedback. And when I kind of pivoted or redirected to uh, allow myself to only do three clinic days a week and do that virtually, that allowed more energy preservation, if you will, Mm -hmm. and more ability to to put out more creative. And um, in Houston, Texas, I was doing a a weekly TV segment and that was aired to millions of people. Wow. But those weren't my people. (laughs) You know, morning news people may not resonate with. And so it's been so different in the social engagement and really with my podcast and guesting on other people's and sharing the mission to more targeted audiences that want to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you just really get a bigger rev, I think, when people resonate that are applying and, and doing the message and the work. Yeah, I love that. Doing amazing work. So Ali, I want to <laughs> be mindful of your time. I ask everyone this question. If you could give our listeners one final thought today, one Ali nugget that they can incorporate into their lives in order to build that better body, what would that be? So one element in order to build a better body, I think would actually be non-food related, uh, but it would be making peace with the voice within. Uh, I've been on a huge kick recently um, and, you know, you can apply, you can take the the best adaptogen formula like, you know, cordyceps and uh, ashwagandha and whatnot on an herbal level, or you can eat the cleanest uh, diet. You can consume eight to 12 ounces of bone broth and do all of these therapeutic things that I recommend in my books and programs. But at the end of the day, if, you know, when you're driving your car and you're at a red light and you're shaming yourself, or being a a mean girl to yourself in your head and saying, you idiot, why'd you do that? Or I can't believe you have so much to do, da, 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 da. And and you're in this over-rumination mode. I really feel that that's the unravel of the the cassette reel. Um, And that that just creates this constant fight or flight reactive mode for the body. And the body, when it doesn't feel safe, it doesn't regulate well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't regulate its metabolism well. It doesn't regulate its sex hormone well. It doesn't regulate its sleep cycles, its energy cycles, uh, its you know nutrient demand and utilization. So that would be my one thing is to make peace with your now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the mantras that I've been working with a lot with clients is, Two, uh, I know you asked me for one thing, but that's not how I perform. <laughs> so two mantras. One mm-hmm. is one is um, this may not be my purpose, but this is my present. Yeah. 
So I, I like applying that for like, you know, the working mom who's feeling guilted of not being with their babe or the person who's in college who's like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the, uh, per, you know, anyone at any stage of our life, it's, it's okay to acknowledge this may not be my purpose and mm-hmm. I can be seeking just like you can be in your body evolving to strengthen it and change it, but you still have to love it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that acknowledgement of neutrality versus negativity is a very good perspective on changing your body. So this may not be my passion, but this is my present, or this may not be my purpose, but this is my present and making peace with that. And, um, the other one is the mantra of just the word safe. Mm. Um, I think that that's a really powerful word. And, uh, so many of us, we think of the word safety, like, uh, we have a roof over our head, we have financial security, we have food in our fridge, we have, you know, all of the essentials, Mm -hmm. but we ultimately are worry warts (laughs) and we're in this, this constant fight or flight mode. And so if we can just meditate on that term safe, Mm. and I think the body operates differently throughout the day. Yeah. Wow. Wise words, Ali. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think we do forget to just do things that we enjoy. You know, we we're either kind of, oh, I should I shouldn't be doing this. I should be I should be doing something more proactive or I should be, you know, working on that. But just doing stuff that doesn't even matter, you know, drawing, painting, just whatever lights you up. You know, I think there should be room for yeah. much more of that in people's lives. <laughs> and Absolutely. Ali, so where is the best place for people to connect with you on the web? Yeah. So we keep everything super simple. Uh, the website is Allie Miller RD. So it's just a L I M I L L E R R D.com. And then everything social is at Allie Miller RD. So, uh, you know, I try to, I'm most engaged in, uh, Instagram. And if you are a parent with, uh, toddlers, my Instagram stories are always featuring my three-year-old. Yes, <laughs> so we're always yeah. posting ways for her to eat more ancestral. And you know, if that's a struggle for you, there's always a resource oh. up there. Very cool. I'll put all those links in the show notes. As a fellow podcaster, I'm sure you understand that. <laughs> it's very important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Ali, thank you so much for sharing today. You spoke wonderfully and I hope people come and follow you after that conversation today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It was a fun time. Just before you head off, I want to say a big thank you for listening today. I truly, truly appreciate you. Now, I don't make any money from this show. I just wanted to tell you that it's all just a passion project and I hope it just kind of resonates with you. But if you do want to support the show, you can do so with Patreon. And if you aren't sure what that is, head on over to karenmcclintock.co.uk forward slash support the show and you can find out more there. Bye for now.